Hey everyone, welcome to episode 39 of Great Quarter Guys. I'm your host, Andrew Cox. I've got my two best friends with me here, Mr. Kevin Hill and Seth Holm on the line as well. Uh, we're going to have a great show for you today. We were back off a two-week break. Sorry we didn't come back last week. I was on vacation and I kind of just, just messed up the uh, coming back on time. So here we are though, episode 39, the big one here. We're going to keep going with our, our ode to Highly Questionable with our CEO, No, and then we're going to get into uh, some, some very interesting debates here. We're going to talk about when are the trucking bears going to throw in the towel. Uh, OTVI climbed to another mile marker today through 14,000 for the first time. There's been a lot of discussion on LinkedIn between data scientists and some freight waves people. We're going to get into those a little bit and, and talk about uh, if it's time for them to throw in the towel. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about Uber Freight. They had some er- earnings came out last week, talk about their their plans for an investment. They're trying to raise $500 million. We'll, we'll talk about that, uh, that valuation for a second, and then we'll get into my favorite topic of the day. We're going to talk about rockets. Uh, <clears throat> SpaceX had a, had a successful Starship hop last week, uh, and we're going to talk about that. I'll even show you the video for anybody that hasn't seen it. It's only a minute long, so it'll be very fun. But let's let's hop right in. Uh, so we've got our, our ode to highly questionable CEO. No, we're going to say you care or nah. I'm going to throw it to Seth first. The first one is Google announced its workforce will be working from home through summer 2021. Seth, you care or nah? Uh, I care. Uh, I think, you know, because tech companies seem to all do the same thing. Uh, I think that means a lot of people are going to be working from home. And uh, some uh, one really prominent company announced that you can just work from home permanently. And I'm forgetting who it was. You might know, Andrew. But um, I think we'll see more of these announcements. So I do care. Kevin, do you care? Wait, was it Facebook that announced that? Uh, I'm not sure who said who could work from home permanently. Okay. But I know Google extended through the end of next summer. So you care or no? I, I do because everyone else will follow along. I, I think uh, it's depending on how, how, how the fall goes. But I think that the trend right now, and, and what I would say is that everyone's going to follow along, and these these tech companies will be out, and a lot of other companies will be out until at least summer of 2021. Yeah, I, I care too. My only point here is that I saw this tweet from someone that talked about uh, the the uh, the prop- proprietary knowledge that big tech companies have, especially one like Google. So if somebody with that much knowledge, that much data is is extending this thing, you got to know that they'd probably know something we don't. Uh, so yeah, I, I care about that one. Uh, here we go. We got another Walmart partnership. They're just coming string after string. I'll start with you, Kevin, on this one. This time it is Walmart and Instacart. They've teamed up for same day delivery of groceries. They're going to try to fight against that Amazon and Whole Foods partnership. You care or not? I do, yeah, I, I do. The, the more tech partner, partnerships they come up with, uh, I think they're they're valued or they were valued a couple of weeks ago at 0.7 to revenue. Mm-hmm. If you can get that up to 1.2, 1.4 in revenue without any growth of uh, of sales or everything else being equal, then you're, you've doubled your equity value. So I, I do care about this. Seth, how about you, man? We're both long Walmart. You care about this partnership with Instacart? Yeah, for that for that reason, I do care, and I just like to follow the space. Um, I use Instacart with Publix a lot. And, um, you know, what we like to do is uh, you can have an employee that's actually a Publix employee go pick up your groceries and then they just bring it out to you and, you know, curbside. And I don't have to pay the $50 delivery fee. But um, just valuation wise, this might be a bigger deal for uh, Instacart uh, signing up Walmart. But I do think, you know, Walmart gets 50% of their business from groceries. And I think this will help, uh, you know, fend off Amazon and sort of continue to grow that business. So I do care. 
Yeah, I, I also care about this one as well. Not only because I'm I'm long Walmart, but also because uh, you know in the in years past, for the past decade, we had seen that uh, Walmart had been buying. They'd been doing a lot of acquisitions rather than partnerships, and that's really changed structurally over the last few months. In 2020, they have been all partnerships: the Shopify, the Instacart. Uh, I know there's another one I'm forgetting, but I like that. I think I think they've already got an established base with their huge stores and their massive logistics platform. I think where they're not the best at, they should just partnership rather than try to uh, try to build it out and and uh, buy it themselves. Okay, number three, uh, Airbnb. We, we, we keep hearing the rumors that the, that the IPO is potentially coming. They've now confidentially filed, I think, in recently, I just saw this on CNBC today, uh, for a potential listing by the end of the year. Seth, you care about this one or not? I definitely care. Um, I've been watching this one for a long time. I think this would have been a monster IPO if COVID hadn't have happened. I think they probably waited a little bit too late. And, you know, obviously I think their valuation will be damaged compared to whatever the peak valuation uh, was. But, um, you know, I do think that uh, whenever we get a vaccine, this will be a very, very large company. So I definitely care. Kev, how about you? I I, I do too. And I I got the Wall Street Journal uh, alert right before we came on air. And it looks like the valuation has been cut from 31 billion to 18 billion. So about 50% haircut on that. So for the VC investors and everyone existing, that's that's quite a haircut. But I think it it returns it back down to earth and and current value, a more reasonable valuation. Mm -hmm. But I I, I do care about this. I I think it's, uh, I think Airbnb and the sharing economy and, and, and having. Basically, investors uh, buy buy houses instead of renting. Doing Airbnb, it's a it's a it's spurned a lot of, of businesses, and I think it's the wave of the future. Uh, yeah, I also care about this one, not as much as the other ones. I care about it uh, in particular because of a topic we're going to talk about towards the end there, and that is Pershing's uh, blank check company. He's going after mature unicorns. This one is probably at the top of that list, I would assume, uh, but we'll get into that discussion later. But yeah, definitely care about anything Airbnb does. Uh, and I got one last one for you. Uh, Seth, we'll start with you here. So we've all heard this noise really going on about TikTok and about the, the social media platform and the uh, the Chinese government it being a, a thinly veiled uh, a thinly veiled data grab by the Chinese government. But Trump signed an executive order giving TikTok until September fifteenth to find a U.S. buyer, and if they do not, they would be shut down in the U.S. Seth, you care about this or not? Yeah, I do care because I think it has you know huge geopolitical and business consequences for a lot of other companies in both America and China. So it's been interesting. I think uh, you know uh, now uh, they don't want to sell to uh, to Microsoft or Twitter. I think so. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, I mean, China's been excluding uh, U.S. internet companies for forever. And so this is a little bit of a tit-for-tat Cold War kind of thing developing. So I think you have to care and you have to watch this. Kevin? Yeah, I agree. You, you do have to care just because uh, there's a deadline coming out by the administration to, mm-hmm. to sell or or shut down by, by September 15th, whether it's TikTok or uh, I'm not on TikTok, you know. Uh, you know, amazingly you I enough, right? I think you'd be good at TikTok. I, I know. I, I could dance around a little bit, I, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But... But but it, it is quite you know it's you know Microsoft had a, a pull at it Twitter might have a pull at it and it'll be interesting to see and it's it's foreshadowing for other tech companies coming yeah. out of Asia. 
Uh, I, I think two things are interesting. One is uh, they also shut down. It will also shut down WeChat, which is you know like it is uh, China's everything together. Their their Facebook, their Twitter. I mean, everything runs through WeChat. So if that is shut down in the U.S., you have a lot of Chinese Americans that have will now have no contact. Uh, you know, as as Seth said, the Chinese don't allow their people on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. They have their own versions of it. And if the Americans can no longer get on WeChat, you mm-hmm. just have a you have populations of people that can no longer speak to each other. So I think that's a big deal. It, it is. I, I totally forgot about WeChat and Tencent, who owns WeChat. Yeah, what, right? what would be – I think they had to walk it back a little bit because if, uh, originally they said any Tencent-owned um, entities and Tencent owns, I think, 30 or 70 percent of Epic Games who run Fortnite, which that would have been crazy for, for all the people that play games. So uh, I think they've had to deal with that a little bit. But yeah, I'm interested. Well, I also think it will be really funny. It, it seems Seth has said that, that Twitter – they're no longer interested in selling to Twitter. But what would have been hilarious is if – in 2017, Twitter bought Vine and then shut it down. And then three years later, they turn around and spend 30 or 40 billion on TikTok, which is just a new age Vine. That would have been uh, quite ironic. But all right, let's hop right into our big discussion, uh, which is about the trucking bears. I'm going to let Kevin take the reins on this for a second. Uh, as I said, the LinkedIn debates have been heated over the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, a lot of the bears have been arguing that OTVI is, is somehow wrong or doesn't really tell the full story of the of the market. Seth, I mean, Kevin, can you can you give us some more color on that? What, what's the disagreement in? I, I can, and and it's unfortunate news on TikTok for Wayne Craig because he's he's a, a truck driver influencer out there. Uh, he I works see. for Dart, and he's he's very concerned here in the LinkedIn comments. Uh, but but Dooner is, is is soothing things down. That's good. Thanks, you know, talking him off the ledge. But uh, yeah, so there, there's. There's just been some LinkedIn comments and, and, and kind of talk. You know, you have your bulls and bears, just like any other market. Bulls and bears, they make, they make the market go. So you have to have the, 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 the people who are positive and people who are negative. And I, I think it's a, a tell of two markets in, in a way because the OTVI has been skyrocketing up. I, I forget what it is today. Yeah, it's just over 14,000, 14, yeah. which is, uh, you know, close, getting close to 40% year over year. Yep. Uh, but I, I think you have a tell of two economies, uh, and, and two data sets too, right? So the tell of two economies is that consumer, dis, non-discretionary consumables are really up, right? Mm-hmm. They're really up. There's no travel going on. There's no vacations. There's no hotels. Or if there is, there's, it's down like 95%, right? Yeah. So all of that money is cycling into home improvement, into electronics, mm-hmm. into into those things that, that we buy on a constant basis. So we're taking those the, the, those dollars we spent for travel or, or other things, maybe restaurants as well, and, and forking them into that. So you have that economy. Then you have the industrial economy, which uh, you know, so in, in some respects, uh, is the, the the data is just not the traditional data. That, that people use government surveys, mm-hmm. economic numbers, really haven't caught up. Uh, we, we know that auto manufacturing plants are out. Uh, things are humming back along at what levels. So it, it's really about, a, you know, people have questions about the tell of two economies and two data sets, right? Because we have Sonar OTVI, which is in near time, you know, right. it's, it's from right. yesterday. We have really good visibility into it. Uh, government economic data, you know, survey data, anything that's compiled is probably, you know, even CAS, CAS data. That's mm-hmm. six weeks old, yep. right? Just because of, of when the invoices go out, when the surveys go out, and then you have to have time for the, the data scientists and the statisticians to, to, to model that and write a report and, and actually publish it. So that's kind of, 
the recaps of of the tale of two economies. Yeah. So let's I mean let's break down some of these sonar uh, some of these freight wave sonar uh, data sets. As you, as you said, OTVI broke through a new record again today, passing fourteen thousand for the first time. It's at a three year high in its history. Uh, OTRI, our outbound tender rejection index, carriers are rejecting freight at a super high clip. It's it's over twenty percent, even though it's kind of walked back over the last few days, but it still remains really high, which means carriers are exercising those options and and really looking to the spot market or looking elsewhere for freight. They're not just accepting their contracted freight, and because of that, we've really they've pushed up spot rates. DAT spot rates are now above their 2018 and 2019 comparables, at about 190 per mile. Uh, and all of this gets baked into the DHL supply chain pricing power index that Seth and I write each week. And it's now at a series high, which, which is 80. Uh, 100% would be, or 100 would be the highest that it could possibly go. It's at 80. Uh, and as a result, Seth, Seth and I can talk to you about the trucking stocks. They've been, they've been performing really well over the last few weeks. Um, but I want to pass it to Seth. You know, you, you, after hearing all these data sets, you keep up with this a lot. What do you think? Is it, is it time for these bears to throw in the towel, or do you think we're reaching a peak soon and they're, they're going to be sitting pretty in a few months? Well, first of all, I would say I, one part of the debate is, you know, we all know this, our outbound tender volume index includes not only accepted loads, but it includes tender rejections. So anytime you get a big jump in tender rejections, like I think they were about 5% last year, and now they're at like 21%. So you've got 16% more tender rejections counted in that baseline comparison. So we know that like, so the number is artificially inflated. So I guess I get where bears are coming from. And that number is a little bit inflated. It may not be actually 37%, which I think I checked before I came on here. It may be more like 30%, um, I think based on some rough math, but that's still a really strong number. Uh, and like you said, Andrew, um, you know, the money, uh, if you follow the money, uh, trucking stocks are up huge. I mean, you look at U.S. Express and Dasky last week were up 30 or 40% each. Um, all these trucking stocks are on fire. Um, you know, UPS and FedEx, UPS is up 50% in, in, in a month or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I think directionally it's accurate. Now, uh, to get a true read on, you know, organic load volume growth, you would have to remove those tender rejections. But um, no, I think that, um, you know, unless we get, uh, you know, I do, I am a believer that the stimulus has really supported the economy. So that's got to stay. Mm -hmm. Whatever this back and forth going on has to be settled and has to be, uh, you know, the new alternative cannot be go from 600 extra a month to, you know, that 70% of your income being replaced. I think that'll be a big headwind if that, if that sort of bearish scenario plays out. Otherwise, uh, I think you've got uh, macro data and the economy is getting a little bit better. Um, and, uh, you know, I do think we'll have a vaccine. I don't want to make predictions, but in the next two, three quarters. Uh, and so given, you know, the tightness and capacity we're seeing now with over 20% tender rejections going into bid season, uh, I think things look pretty good for trucking. I, I do too. I, I think the PPI, the long-term or, or long-distance truckload volumes I saw on, on LinkedIn are starting to spike up, right? And that is a lagging indicator at least four weeks, probably four to six weeks. So you're starting to see contract pricing come in. Uh, I, I remember in 2018 when we got to these levels and, uh, you know, uh, some equity analysts were saying that, that truckload stocks or truckload carriers 
should just be asking for five to ten percent increases, right? right? And, and you saw that chatter all over the place. You feel that Are coming we, now? I, I think so. I think that's the the next or the maybe the final shoe to drop. Once we start hearing that, then we know that the, the bears are going to be pull, throwing in the towel and we are going to be off to the races because, you know, there's contract, you know, contract is 80% of the market, 85% of the market, it, whatever that number is, it's a very large percentage. And once that is capitulated and shippers are just accepting those rate increases, then we, you know, that, that's basically the final stage. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad Seth mentioned a couple of those companies that's run up so much, at least on the stock market, <clears throat> so to say. Because uh, you know we did that report last year. It was trucking stocks trade on spot market, and you know spot rates have been coming up. So you see the trucking stocks trading up as well. There's another passport research uh, paper that I want to get to now, and this is about Uber Freight. Seth, you guys helped out on this uh, with JP's team, and this was gaming out the Uber Freight uh, sell-off or gaming out the the Uber Freight investment. And I, we'll talk a little bit about Uber Freight earnings first, and then we'll get into that that 500 million dollar investment they're seeking but Uber announced Q2 earnings last week and we got a little bit of in, a little bit of a look into the freight business Freight revenue came in at 211 million, which was about 13 million below expectations. Uh, it was also a major deceleration in growth, which I'll let Seth uh, really talk to here in a minute. Uh, EBITDA came in at negative 49 million uh, for the quarter. You know, so so Seth, overwhelmingly overall, what do you make of this quarter? Is it uh, is it as bad as it looks on paper, or there's some good read throughs here? What do you what do you say? Uh, I think it's a little bit mixed, but I mean, there's no question that growth is slowing at Uber Freight. Uh, we were kind of looking through that little just basic model that we've been keeping track on Uber. They started disclosing their numbers in 2018. Uh, and so if you look just on a year over year basis in the second quarter, they grew their gross revenue by 26%. Just to put that in context, last uh, year in the second quarter, they grew their revenue by what was it, 120 something percent, Andrew? So, yeah, correct. Um, you know, and then uh, sequentially, so revenue actually had was down uh, quarter over quarter sequentially for the prior two quarters compared to this one. It grew very modestly, and meanwhile, the the losses actually haven't moderated that much. Now, the peak loss rate was they were burning 80 million a quarter in adjusted EBITDA. And I think the third quarter of 2019, they've got that down to 50 million. Uh, that's a good start. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, instead of 300 some odd million in cash burn, you're talking about 200 million, but that's coming with a lot of slowing growth. So, and, you know, as far as the valuation we talked about in the report, you know, the rumored valuation is $4 billion. Uh, just to put that uh, in context again, uh, just looking through some of the analyst models, uh, Goldman Sachs, I looked at their model and uh, Bank of America, we looked at theirs and, you know, they're going to do about a billion in uh, gross revenue this year in 2020. And a lot of these analysts are projecting sort of a 50% compound growth rate for the next three years. Although that to me kind of looks a little bit high after this latest quarter being only yeah, 26% unless they want to turn back on that burn rate. Uh, so, you know, a $4 billion valuation, which was rumored for that $500 million pipe, uh, you know, that'd be four times gross revenue. So to me, that looks pretty high for given the decelerating growth and, uh, and, and still a lot of cash burn. Yeah, you guys are yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think the valuation's caught up with the, 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 the pivot to, to profitability, right? I mean, you're going to pivot, you're going to slow growth. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you can get valuations of four times gross revenues 
as you're slowing down growth to increase profitability. So you're going to have to get valued on something else besides that supersonic growth. Yeah, maybe earnings at some point. Earnings, yes, <laughs> I know, right? So So I don't know if this is yeah. an inflection point of, and that's what we're seeing, is kind of that peak or that arc uh, of cash burn and, and headed back to, to profitability that might take – you know, two or three quarters for that, that to, to show up on an arc. Seth, did you add something there? Yeah, I was just going to add. Um, so if you think about it being valued at four times gross revenue right now in the report, we used, you know, just a couple basic comps. We used JB Hunt, Echo and CH Robinson. And, you know, those traded an average valuation of one times gross revenue. So you've got three, you've got three turns of uh, EV to gross revenue in between them and the competition. And at this point, they're not growing that much faster than those other guys. Those guys are going to start to grow again, especially if they're able to renegotiate contract rates upward with the shippers. Um, and, and they've got get, you know, spot market activity picks up. Those guys are going to start to grow again. So that the, the disparity in terms of the growth is really, really narrowed between those guys. And meanwhile, you've got four, a four times higher valuation. Yeah, so mm-hmm. try, trying to make sense of this of this crazy valuation. I think BML, uh, Bank of America has it uh, based on 2022 earnings of 2.3 billion. They put a 3x multiple on that, so they 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 valued it at almost 7 billion uh, in 2022. So some really big numbers from a company that I think in our uh, I think in our passport research piece they valued between 1.4 and 1.6 billion. So hey, everybody go and check out that piece if you are a, are a part of passport research. Uh, it's again titled "Gaming Out an Uber uh, an Uber Freight Deal." So let's move on to the segment that I am. Excited about. We're going to talk rockets. Being the futuristic, optimistic person I am, I'm really excited uh, about the future of commercial space travel and space tourism. And it's going to take a lot of different forms. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Uh, there's really not all that much to talk about when I show you this clip of the Starship Hop, other uh, other than how cool it is and how this is going to be the vehicle uh, that will likely take us to the moon and beyond. Uh, it's also going to be used for. Uh, international travel, they say. They think they're going to take people from Shanghai to New York in, in an hour or, or less, and uh, from London to Tokyo in an hour or less. That's how they're going to you know, continuously get use out of these rockets, make money for these rockets. Kevin's already looking at me with a look of disdain. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'll, I'll get on to the importance of how successful this launch was after I show you the clip. It's about a 60-second clip. Uh, Cody, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and show the people? Three, two, one. I want everyone to pay attention at how little those, uh, those ships look before they fly up before they get out of the way of the smoke. That's how big this thing is. So, that may not look like much, but uh, that is the newest prototype of the Starship. That's going to be the everyday use vehicle that NASA has contracted to go to take astronauts to the moon. Uh, it's also going to be the one that takes that Japanese billionaire that has signed on to pay a couple billion dollars to go around the moon in 2023. He'll be the first non-astronaut to do so. The, the importance of that little hop really can't be overstated. That is a massive, it looks like a grain silo. I know, I know what it looks like, um, but that thing just got 500 feet in the air. It's a, the first, I think, actually, it's the second successful launch but the first one of that size, it's going to be great. Uh, but really, I just wanted that to... Actually, I got, a, I got a question for you, Kevin, before we move on. So uh, what do you make of the launch, and would you ever get on one of those things to, uh, go, to go to Tokyo in 30 minutes? I would, yes. Sweet. Do I think it'll ever happen? No. Okay. But, uh, you know, 
Well, then, I hope we stay friends for the next uh, decade or so so I can, I can prove you wrong when that comes. Okay, like I said, so this is just going to lead us into our, our conversation about monetizing space travel. They're, they're not the only one. SpaceX is not the only one that's trying to do this, uh, although they are the furthest along at hitting goals. But another company that has done a, a great job hitting goals is Virgin Galactic. Uh, again, foreclosure um, or disclosure, me and uh, Seth are both long this company. And they, they're taking a different approach. They have kind of a, a big plane that takes a rocket up to about as tall as it can go, and then the rocket shoots off and goes up into orbit. Uh, you get that million-dollar view. You get the cresting of the Earth. You get to stay up there for, I don't know, uh, 20 minutes or so, and then, and then float back down to Earth. Uh, Blue Origins, another company doing something similar. This one's owned by Bezos. It kind of just shoots a rocket up and then parachutes you back down. Um, but in any case, I want to talk about the future of space travel because 10 years ago, uh, if somebody if somebody would have told me that electric cars were going to be as big as they are today or that cloud computing was going to be as big as it was today, I would have been snatching up as much Tesla and as much Amazon and Splunk and all the pl- cloud computing companies as I could. I truly think that one of the themes of the next 10 years will be uh, – commercial space travel. And I think Seth is on board with me here. So Seth, do you think that emerging that this one of these trends is going to be space tourism? And if it is, is space to play? And is it this play simply because it's the only play or because they really are ahead of the game? Yeah, I mean, people are going to be like, why are you guys long Tesla and Virgin Galactic and all these stocks? So it's a, it, these are small positions. I do. I would say that it's binary. So it's, <laughs> it's either going to probably be a $100 billion company or it's just going to be an utter failure. And, yeah. you know, luckily when you're long, they can only go to zero, but they can go up to infinity. So sometimes I like to make small bets on companies like that. And a couple of things that I like about Virgin Galactic is, um, you know, if you talk about this, their space tourism business, uh, they, they recently did a launch video themselves um, about what their new capsule or whatever you call it is. And as Andrew noted, um, they actually take off parallel to the ground, uh, similar to an airplane, and then release higher, uh, which which saves them a lot of fuel compared to what what was that SpaceX thing called? It looked like a giant double A battery, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's called the Starship. It does look like a massive grain silo or or double A battery. That uses a lot more fuel, but um, you know, from all the projections I've seen, uh, they uh, Virgin Galactic just got a new CEO too, uh, that and he came from Disney. And he used to run the International Parks Division. So I think they're going to try to brand this as a Disney-esque experience uh, in, in terms of uh, taking people to space. And right now, I think they have, is it 400,000 people signed up uh, in their backlog? So there's some early promise there, and that's a $250,000 ride. So that is you know some significant revenue in there. I think things that, uh, so in other words, and then they project that they, you can do it at a pretty good margin. Uh, potentially, if you can get all those people to space and then you build your fleet and you get some scale, uh, it could be a very profitable company. And you're really talking about a race between three players, between Blue Origin, SpaceX, and Virgin Galactic. But Virgin Galactic's the only publicly traded one way to play that. SpaceX may right. be one day down the road. But I think SpaceX's valuation is already like $40 billion, Yeah, it's And huge. Virgin Galactic's like, I want to say $3 billion. So, um the last thing I would say, on, on, I know we're moving for time, is Virgin Galactic just announced they're getting into hypersonic travel as well, which you were referring to, mm-hmm. which is basically the, their version of the Concorde where you travel at Mach 3. And they did a capital raise for that, which whacked the stock recently. But So they're going to be a mixture of space tourism and hypersonic travel. Uh, I'm optimistic. We'll see how it pans out. It's definitely a risky play. Kevin? 
What'd you say, man? You got well, any you know, thoughts I, on, I, on, on I, 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 very cautionary about it, you yeah. know, and, and I think some of that has to do with recently watching Airplane 2 again. <laughs> and, and, you know, and seeing the Mayflower 1 try to go to the moon, and, you know, of course, the, there's a mishap, and the, the pilot's over and out. Uh, you know, they, they, they're incapacitated, and Ted has to land uh, another airplane back on Earth. So... Yeah, I, I I'm not very bullish on it. Yeah, uh, so space tourism. I'm sure two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, there, there's going to be a long, long, long line of people who who will take that, and I don't blame them. But uh, you know, it's nothing I can really get excited about. Oh well. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe it's maybe it's because I'm so young, and I'm, I I I think I I think I'm going to be one of those people that goes up there one day. Uh, hopefully, they bring that cost way down because I'm, I'm I don't think I'll pay a quarter mil for it. But uh, I know a lot of people will. I, and we're going to get to that Bill Ackman discussion. We'll get to it next week or the weekend a- the week after. Uh, I, hopefully, Pershing doesn't buy anything before then. But that'll be a good discussion. We'll, we'll save it for later. But uh, we got about uh, 90 seconds to kill here, Seth. What do you think, man? You think Georgia or Oklahoma going to play football this this fall? Uh, by the way, real quick, I, I think I'm before I get actually by our audience. I think I'm off by a factor of ten or a hundred on this reservation. So look, look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it may yeah, be okay. it may be four thousand. Um, anyways, um, I sure hope so. Uh, the Big Ten, the Big Ten tried to uh, do a coup yesterday and cancel college football, and the players and the SEC and and, and some other people fought back. And I, I I really hope there's college football. So uh, we'll see. Kevin, what you think? Your Sooners playing this this fall? I, I hope they do, but I. I, I've been short this all along, and I'm still short. I, I don't think it's a, that they can pull it off. I just don't think they should rush to judgment. I mean, I, I don't think any decision needs to be made in the next 48 hours, and I also think they've always been better off playing in the spring anyway. They don't have to compete with the NFL. We want spring football. I think I think moving it to the spring where they can have a better plan ahead of them, uh, I think that makes the most sense. Uh, and then the other, the other question I was going to ask, if we think Iron Mike and Roy Jones are actually going to fight or if they're just blowing smoke, I really hope they fight, but I think they might, they might just be blowing smoke. Uh, but either way, we are on a six-day, tw- tw- 23 and a half, hour break we got ben gordon with us next week see you guys